it is not the way you make it in relationships with other Christians in the church. As we were reminded this morning, it's good when brothers live together in unity. Tonight we learn from Romans 12.10 that it's also commanded that we dwell together in unity. Romans 12.10. It's possible. It's second nature. It should be from the heart. And yet, it's tempting not to do it. Otherwise, Paul wouldn't have to command it. The headline is Romans 12.9. The kind of thesis statement of the whole paragraph is verse 9. My Bible is open to 1 Corinthians 12, not Romans 12. No wonder that didn't look familiar. Romans 12.9. Let love be genuine. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. And then, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. So verse 10 at least partially clarifies what Paul means by letting love be genuine. So we are going to answer a why question, a what question, and a how question tonight. Let love be genuine. and Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Why does Paul have to command that love be genuine and with brotherly affection in particular. Love one another with brotherly affection. Why that command? If you love someone, don't you have affection for them? Maybe not. Love without affection is a temptation for Christians. So love is hypocritical. When we say or even act as if we love, and yet we have no family fondness, no warmth, no tenderness of heart towards our other church family members. Instead, we gut it out. Kind of like attending a family reunion, but just sipping your Coke in the corner. Licking your wounds, expecting others to read your mind, nursing old grievances but patting yourself on the back that you're the bigger person for showing up. Love without brotherly affection. I'm here, but I'm expecting everybody else to do the work and to know how I feel without me telling them. Or we serve, but our heart is not in it. We exercise hospitality, but we do it grudgingly. Always counting up. Man, this is costing me. Man, they're eating a lot of my food. We're generous, but with a chip on our shoulder. We talk with each other, but we prefer it when the conversation is all about us. We might grieve each other's losses, but we have trouble celebrating their joys without coveting those joys for ourselves. 
without envying other people for having them, without being jealous that we think we deserve their joys more than they deserve their joys, and without pitying ourselves for them having them and us not having them. We say, I love you. We sing, I love thy church, O Lord. We even act out of an ethic of self-sacrifice, serve in the nursery or children's ministry, vacuum the auditorium, clean up after potluck, give a ride to a friend, but our heart might be empty of any kind of warm regard for each other. In this view of things, sanctification is no more than behavior modification. I just have to gut it out. I just have to change how I behave so that I can convince enough people that I'm really different. But we don't have to change how we think or feel to do that. Just how we act. It's all habit, no heart. Love without affection wrongly assumes that love is only a verb, something I do, a duty I perform whether I feel like it or not. And here's how we get there. Jesus loved me and gave himself for me. We'll quote that verse. See, love gives. So I'm going to give. And I'm going to assume that in my giving, I love. And that is true. Love does give itself. But love is not the giving itself, detached from the affection. Jesus loved me and therefore he gave himself. The love and the giving are different. Self-giving is the expression of the affection. Affection, heartfelt care, is the reason and motive for the self-giving. Jesus didn't give himself with an attitude or heart posture of emotional blankness. He didn't give himself with the attitude of a teenager who's resenting that her parents are sending her into the kitchen to clean up. Jesus didn't come down here with an attitude towards his father like, okay, get off my back. That's not how he gave himself. He loved me. He didn't resent me. He didn't feel an emotional void towards me. He loved me and gave himself, therefore, for me. So love without affection is a temptation for Christians. Love with affection, though, is a command for Christians. This is the what. What is it that's being commanded? Love with affection is commanded for Christians. So notice, Paul commands our affections. We're used to telling people, you can't tell me how to feel. Bible begs to differ. The Bible can tell you how to feel. God can tell you how to feel. The Apostle Paul can tell you how to feel. This is not optional, extra credit Christianity. This affection is rightly commanded of all of us. 
And God must, in fact, tell us to have feelings for each other, or else we will not have them. That's how selfish we are. Affection is feeling, emotion, tenderness, warm-heartedness. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not a cheesy, syrupy, lay-it-on-thick, self-congratulating, attention-seeking, look-how-emotional-I-can-be kind of affection. It's not that. That's fake, too. Real, godly, self-effacing, brotherly affection cannot be faked. And it's not put on just to be noticed. So how, it's a third question, how do we get and replenish this brotherly affection for one another? And this is the question we're going to answer the rest of our time. How do we get and replenish this brotherly affection for one another? Brotherly affection for Christians, for other Christians, must be for Jesus' sake, not just for each other's sake. If you love each other just for each other's sake, you're going to get let down a lot because that affection is not always going to be returned, requited, in the way you expect or want or think you deserve. So, brother, sister, you have to remember Jesus in order to get and replenish this brotherly affection for one another. And you must remember Jesus for two things. Remember Jesus' affection for you, as we have already alluded to, and his affection for that other Christian that you are supposed to be loving with brotherly affection. Jesus had a warm regard for us in his heart. He took pity on us. He had compassion for us. He was moved in his spirit at our plight and in our sin. And that love, undeserved as it was, was the reason he gave himself for us. And Jesus gave himself because God the Father set his love on his people, the church. Not because we were more deserving or beautiful or useful or less sinful, but because he chose to set his affection on us. Read Deuteronomy 7. He claims us for him. He sent Jesus to claim us for him. And Jesus came to get us with that same Sovereign, unflappable, undeterrable affection of heart. And Jesus has heart affection for that brother or sister that you have trouble having affection for. Jesus has affection for him or her. And he is not ashamed to call him brother. Just like he's not ashamed to call you brother. So remember Jesus' affection for you and for that other brother or sister that you have a hard time having affection for. That's the root of brotherly affection. That's how you change how you feel. You look at Jesus and you say, how do you feel? Teach me. Make me feel that way by your spirit about that other person, about the whole church. And then, secondly, remember Jesus' blood. In here, we are all one blood. 
Because we are all washed in the blood of the Lamb. The same blood of the same Lamb of God has taken away all of our sins. So we are all literally blood brothers in Christ. We are the new humanity, the family of faith. Deep calls to deep in each other. Because the Spirit of God in me calls out to the Spirit of God in you. And in one another. Christ's Spirit is in you. And that Spirit is calling out to Christ's Spirit in others here. And the other way around as well. The Spirit of God in that other person is calling out to you. And wanting to relate to you. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves you. His Spirit is in my heart. His Spirit is in your heart. And His Spirit is in the heart of the person here who regularly annoys you. (laughs) And periodically offends you. And often perplexes and confuses you. And maybe accuses you of things that you don't understand that you've even done. But that is how you obey this. You obey it from the new heart that God has already given you in Christ, which has the seed of all those new affections for the people in here that you sometimes find difficult. You see how God has given you what he has required of you. He has given you what he has required of you. He's given you that affection. You already have it in your heart. If you're a Christian, the Spirit of God in you loves that other person who annoys you, that you have a hard time loving or having brotherly affection for in your flesh. He has already given you the heart for this brotherly affection. Maybe there are people here in this church that you have a hard time loving with true family affection. Maybe you feel like they're a black sheep in this church family. Or maybe they think you're a black sheep and they sometimes act in ways that let you know it. But this is a command. Love one another, not just your besties, not just the ones you share affinities and interests with, but one another with brotherly affection, no faking. And the good news is that if you are a Christian, you already have a heart for this. You don't have to fake it. Loving your fellow church members is as natural to you, to your new nature, as loving your own flesh and blood is natural to your old nature. And it is natural because we all share the new nature in the new covenant in Christ's blood. Your new nature loves their new nature and loves them in a way that wants them to overcome their old nature. Jesus has made his family in that way. Now, your family of origin may not treat each other like this. Maybe this is all strange to you. Maybe you think, loving my own nuclear family is not natural to me. You may be estranged from your brother or sister or mom or dad. Their affection may have failed you. Yours may have failed them. But in here, this is how we feel for each other naturally, because it is second nature for people who love Jesus to love other people who love Jesus. It is second nature for people who love God's Word to love other people who love God's Word. You can't help it. That's just what the Spirit produces. That's what He produces. Because sanctification is by grace, just like justification is by grace. It happens. Justification 
by faith, faith alone, but that faith is never alone. It always produces good works. It produces love for other people who love Jesus. You can't help it. Many of you know this. I think most of you know it. I cannot not love Reagan Martin and Lazarus Peary. I cannot not love David Schneider and Jeremiah Zhu and Julian Hellman and Jose Garcia and Josh Arias and Jonathan Pruitt and Trent Little as my blood brothers in Christ. I can't not love them because my new nature is moving out towards them in love. I can't not love Alicia Weyberg and Rebecca Garcia and Jessica Arias as my blood sisters in Christ. When you talk with these people and others among you about the things of the Lord, they come alive. They resonate. Deep calls to deep. The echoes of truth reverberate in their conversation and it draws from them a warmth of love for Jesus that we all share in common with each other. And even if your nuclear family or your family of origin does treat each other like this, you are called to expand and broaden your affections beyond your own flesh and blood to embrace us in this church as your brothers and sisters who, by God's grace, should be the objects of your loyalty, affection, kindness, and heartfelt tenderness. Your heart's affections are not to terminate merely on your flesh and blood, as you know. Your affections are to embrace sincerely, eagerly, cheerfully, and expansively your family of faith here. And one way, one way we prove our love genuine, one way that we love one another with brotherly affection, the product of that brotherly affection is to outdo each other in showing honor, not in inviting it, not in demanding it, in showing it to each other. Showing honor is jet fuel for brothers and sisters living together in unity. I once had a ride in a car that was fueled with nitrous. I was scared out of my shorts. I was sharing the gospel with this kid who was working at an L.A. fitness that I was working out at, and we were just going to go from L.A. fitness on Randall Road down to the Panera, right down Randall Road, and he says, hey, let me drive. I said, okay. And we go to his car, and it's like a little 96 Civic hatchback. It's lime green. It's lower than most Civics. And I'm like, hmm. And I look in there, and it's got double shoulder straps, and it, you know, connects right down in the middle. I'm like, man, this is going to be some ride. I think we're going to get to Panera really fast. I mean, he got that thing up to 95 in about a quarter of a mile and then stopped. I was, I was, very, I was like, dude, I have a family, man. Showing honor to one another in the local church, outdoing one another in showing honor is nitrous for your relationships in the local church and for the unity and affection of the local church. It is fertilizer for other people's souls, and it draws them out in love to you and in humility before God, contrary to popular opinion. When we try to outdo each other in getting honor, unity splinters because every man, it's every man for himself. But when we outdo each other in showing honor, the result is mutual encouragement, mutual strengthening, and the strengthening of the bonds of brotherly affection. When someone else honors you by recognizing your service and gifts, 
It draws you out in love and in humility. Too many of us... See, this is the problem. This is our problem. Our problem is we think we're going to be the minister of humility in everybody else's lives by withholding honor from them. You ever been around this kind of person? Man, they will never say anything kind or complimentary about anything else to their face directly for fear of giving them a big head. Where are you getting that from the Bible? Where does it say in the Bible, withhold honor so other people don't become proud? That verse is not in the Bible. The verse that is in the Bible is, outdo one another in showing honor. And that is unqualified. There is no, unless the person struggles with pride, or unless the person has more of your spiritual gift than you have, or unless you feel the person is a threat to your own self-importance, or unless you complimenting them will give them attention from other people that you think you deserve, No, no, outdo one another in showing honor, full stop. I should outdo Tim Lloyd in honoring him for his love for the congregation. I should outdo Jeremiah in honoring him for his teaching. I should outdo Daniel Parvin in honoring him for his evangelistic zeal and consistency. I should outdo Josh Arias in honoring him for his ability and heart to encourage you in his preaching. I should outdo Julian in honoring him for the edification we all find in his public prayers. I should outdo my dear wife in honoring her for her service and love for her children and for you. And Danny Gonzalez for his service and Lexi Zua for her hospitality and all the rest of you for your love. Now, if I mentioned your name, what did that do? in your heart. That make you arrogant? That puff you up? That makes you say, pretty good at being a Christian. Got a mention from the pulpit. No, it did not do that to you. It humbled you. Encouraged you. It tenderized your heart. And if you're like me, it may have even made you feel unworthy because you know your sins better than your strengths. Isn't that right? We know it's tempting to love one another without any real affection in our hearts. But we are commanded to have godly feelings for each other, heartfelt warmth, Tenderness, regard, because of Jesus' affection for us and because of his blood that makes us one blood. So we strive not to get honor, but to give it. And Christian, the good news is that you don't have to fake it until you make it. Because if you're in Christ, then it's second nature to you. Christ has given you the heart for it. Let's pray together.
And Father, grant us grace to love one another, not only in appearance, not only in a feigned or syrupy way, but with true brotherly affection. And that out of that brotherly affection, we would outdo one another in showing each other honor. And that in these ways, our love for each other would prove itself genuine. Do this so that Jesus would be magnified among us, we pray. Amen.